Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to episode number 80 of the Talking Blues podcast. Um, I'm Alex. Josh obviously is not with us today. Um, He'll be back for next episode. Um, But we are here to recap uh, this Chelsea uh, draw after a crazy game against Liverpool uh, on Saturday. You know, it was a tough game, obviously, with the red card. We'll talk about it, the controversy, etc. You know, for me, it wasn't the decision itself, it was kind of how we got, how the referee got to the decision. Uh, that was the big problem. Uh, but 1-1 one, one, uh, at full time, I think it was a good result given the circumstances. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm happy about the result that, we, you know, going into international break, we didn't uh, lose the game. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it before uh, we go to Peter now. Peter, how are you going? How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk about it, right? Because overall, in my opinion, I think that was a very, very good performance. I think we should have won that game and we would have won that game except for the red card and penalty. If it wasn't a red card, I still think we had a good chance to win the game because we were creating much better chances than them. But for a whole half away at Anfield to be able to hold them to probably zero chances I think I don't think they really had a a chance the entire half to hold them to zero chances an entire half at Anfield away uh, is very very impressive and just goes to show how good our defense is how good Tuco's structure is uh, how good he is at making changes on the fly obviously kind of switching the formation dropping Mount into more of like a 5-3-1 formation Uh, I mean I think it was just a overall good team performance I mean I wish that it wasn't a red card because the game was very, very fun. It was back and forth. It was so open. Liverpool had a chance, and then immediately we countered Lukaku to Havertz. And then, have, uh, speaking of Havertz, that was a great goal. Uh, it's, I think it's the second time he's had to go off against Liverpool after a red card. I think if you remember Christensen uh, under Frank last season, one of the first ma- uh, matches of the season, right? Didn't Havertz yeah. get taken off after Christensen got the red card? Yeah, so yeah. he's unlucky. He's been unlucky twice now against Liverpool, but I mean, he did score the goal that um, it was just a great goal off a corner. Reese James with a great ball then, and he just, I don't even understand how he scored it, 
but it was just a great header. I mean, but the thing is, we probably could have won this game before the red card. We could have been 2-0, 3-0 up against them. We had a lot of chances. Uh, Mason Mount almost scored. Uh, Lukaku was basically at Havertz through there too, though, but Mount did well enough to get a good chance, but uh, Lukaku probably had Havertz through there. Havertz had Lukaku through a couple times. Uh, I feel like Lukaku and Havertz need to work on their connection a bit more. I feel like sometimes they have open passes to each other and they don't really pass to it. And I mean, it ended up, I would not want to say it didn't matter because we could have gotten three points here, but it ended up not completely mattering because we got to, we got a point, we got the draw, but in other games where maybe we're down and then Havertz has the ball and has Lukaku through, but just to do step overs and then gets a shot blocked instead of sliding it through to Lukaku, who would most likely score. Uh, we miss a chance there. And then, I don't know, we're playing Man City and they come down straight away and score. And then now we're down more or we're not winning or something like that. Uh, but overall, just a good performance, a good team performance. It shows how, uh, like like I said, Tugo's system is great. Uh, man of the match, I'll give to... I don't know. I'll give it to Thiago Silva, I think. Thiago Silva obviously came on at halftime when we, because we wanted to get five defenders back on. Uh, Conte obviously also came off, which was, I'll talk about after this, but uh, Thiago Silva coming on. I mean, he controlled the defense very well. He played very well. Uh, the first few minutes, he let Jota have a header that was kind of dangerous, but uh, he did get pushed in the back there, which of course Anthony Daly didn't do anything about, but Besides that, I mean, he controlled the defense well. He, I don't know why he wasn't playing. He seemed fine. Uh, I mean, he played very, very well. He controlled the defense. He kept the ball well. He won basically anything that he needed to win. I mean, it was just a good performance by him. Really, you could give it to any of the five defenders that were on after halftime. All of them played well. Alonso, uh, me and Alex were texting during the game, and uh, Alex was not a fan of how Alonso played. But personally, I think he was solid. He was very bad at some spots and very good at other spots, so it kind of balances out. Um, but yeah, Thiago Silva's my man of the match. Any of the defenders, great team performance, and I'll send it over to you, Alex. What I would say about the Marcus Alonso thing, there was just a couple, there was like a 10-minute spell, I want to say from like the 60th to 70th minute, that I just was like dying with his some of the things he was doing. Um, he was just being a little bit too cute with it, considering the situation we were in. Um, besides that, I thought he played well. It's just kind of frustrating at certain periods uh, throughout the game where he's just obviously not quick enough to keep up with Trent, with Salah, uh, with you know anyone really on the, on the pitch. Um, so that was really the frustrating part about it. And um, you know, it, it was. I, I want to go back to those couple chances, right? Obviously, there was that one chance where it was through Mount took that shot. Robertson kind of cleared it off the line or I'm not sure if it was actually going in and obviously that chance with Havertz where he could have slipped through Lukaku let's say we score one of those two chances right we're up 2-0 then it's only 2-1 uh at halftime and uh we and and then we could do the same thing except we get the three points right we can still sit back like we did in the second half and and absorb the pressure um so those chances did matter and that we we did miss out on a couple points assuming of course you know the circumstances are a little bit different right if they're if we're up against Liverpool then Liverpool are going to push even harder in that second half right because they want to tie the game at least uh, so so it is a little bit different but 
uh, you know, that mount chance, he could have actually squared it to Havertz if you look at like the freeze from. Obviously, it's easier to judge when you're not on the pitch, right? And you're seeing replays in the past, right? Mason Mount, it's, it's difficult. But there was definitely a couple decisions by Mount and Havertz that just didn't work very well. Um, obviously, the Havertz one where he could have just rolled it right into Lukaku would have been very good as well. Um, and uh, And also at the end there. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone, you know, really thought about this, but with Kovacic, uh, you know, that link up play with, between uh, Lukaku and Kovacic, where we almost uh, won it there in that second half, I thought Kovacic could have done a bit better with that. Uh, maybe either cut inside a little bit more with his right foot or just go with his left. I know that's his weaker foot, but I feel like he could have done something a little bit better with that chance as well. So in general, I think we're creating, we're in good spaces, we're creating good opportunities. It's just that we need to, the end product still needs to be better. And maybe it's not the end product, like the shot, like, you know, with Timo Werner, uh, that many have been critical of him about, but it's that final pass now that seems to be the issue for Chelsea. Um, so it's not the finish, it's the final pass. Um, so I think that's something that will hopefully develop as the chemistry between that front three develops. Obviously it seems... I don't know, Peter, what, what do you think about this? But I think the connection between Mount and Lukaku is better developed than the uh, relationship with Lukaku and Havertz. I think Mount and Lukaku seem to get each other a little bit better, at least so far. No, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, you, you, Lukaku found Mount when he could have played in Havertz. And I think that's because they have, or at least Lukaku, I don't know what to really like call it but maybe it's because he like trusts him more that's not like the right word but I think you understand what I'm trying to say like he has this better chemistry so he's like okay I see this pass instead of trying to force it through here I'll play the easier pass to here to mount who I know can do something with it or something like that so then he plays him instead of trying to play the much more dangerous ball the Havertz which was probably on and Havertz I think could have played Lukaku in uh, but didn't because I think he, th after the goal, right? I mean, you're feeling it, right? And I think he wanted to try to do something special when he could have played Lukaku in. Uh, but I don't know if it's like that. And then Lukaku maybe like didn't, I mean, I've seen people saying like Lukaku didn't want to pass it to Havertz because Havertz didn't pass to him, which I don't think that's the case. That'd just be so stupid from like professional strikers to have a grudge because he didn't get one chance to, uh, played in. I knew Lukaku was frustrated though. Because, I mean, understandably, when he, he did have, he, he did find himself in good spots and we didn't get found. But I don't think, I think it's, like, I just agree with you. I think Lukaku and Mount have a more chemistry developed. I don't know, maybe, like, in training, they played on the same team or something. So they're used to playing these, like, one-twos or balls into the box from Mount to Lukaku or something like that. But I definitely think Tuchel should have Lukaku and Havertz work on that. Because, I mean... Like you said, we had these chances, all these chances, and we could have gone 2-1 up and gotten the win, assuming everything played the same, assuming we scored one of these chances. And, I mean, there's a good chance we could have if Havertz and Nikaku were able to connect these passes. One thing I would say is, you know, just gain, kind of gaining things from watching those training session videos on Chelsea YouTube and just all the interviews and stuff like that. Obviously, Mason Mount's very outgoing. He seems like he's like really loud in practice and in training. Um, Lukaku, I think, very much the same. He's a big figure in the dressing room. I think Havertz is a little bit quieter, and I think that could be an issue. Obviously, there's a language barrier as well. 
Um, uh, I think Lukaku speaks very good English. Obviously, Mount's English um, and Havertz uh, German, of course. So I think that could also play, uh, you know, be a little bit a part of it. And uh, also Havertz, if you've noticed in these games, has been dropping much deeper, um, which has been very interesting. Obviously, when we have 11 men on the field. In the game against Arsenal, we saw him, when Arsenal were starting to kind of take control a little bit more, we saw Havertz drop into the midfield. Um, And then again in this game, uh, later in the first half before the red card, we saw that again. So I think Havertz has kind of been in an uncomfortable spot where he's been kind of asked to do something that he's never really done before, at least at Chelsea. Obviously, he did that at Leverkusen. But, you know, I think there, there's something to be said about that, that he his role is kind of developing a little bit more, um, you know, because that two in midfield, that's the weak spot, right? If if it could get exposed, if a, if a team has a solid three in midfield, that, you know, that, that two can get overrun. So I think if you bring Havertz back into that midfield like Tuchel's been doing every once in a while when we're kind of losing control of the game, it makes complete sense. Um, I don't really know why he brings Havertz back and not Mason Mount. You'd think, you know, after when we were down to 10 men, Mason Mount was spectacular in that uh, one of those three holding midfield roles there. I thought he did. He put in a tremendous shift in the second half. Um, you know, him, Jorginho... Kovacic, when he came on, all those guys put in a tremendous shift. Um, so I think those guys were really, really good. And, uh, you know, I think it's 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 different for those attacking guys because they're kind of being asked to do some different things, uh, especially in this past game and even in the Arsenal game. I mean, you definitely can't really judge anything on this game. I mean, you can for the first half, <laughs> pretty much. But I mean, the, the second half, any, you can't really judge any of them because they have... Lukaku was pretty much on his own because even Mount, who was I feel like was meant to be playing a tiny bit more attacking, really wasn't playing that much attacking. It was pretty much just pass to Lukaku, dribble, 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 do whatever. So I feel like you can't judge them. But I mean, for the most part, he did his job well. Mount did his job well. Kovacic coming on, like you said, Jorginho. Everybody did their job, right? And that's why we came away with a draw from a game we really probably shouldn't have gotten away with a point. But now that I talked about the game itself, I didn't want to mention this when I was talking about it, but I do want to talk about the decision, obviously, because that's 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 the big, big thing. And like you said originally, Alex, I kind of agree with you. I agree the main problem is the fact of how he came to the decision, where he goes over to the VAR board. They play the clip before he gets there, so he can't see anything. And once he gets there, it's just a freeze frame of the ball hitting Reese James's hand, which... It did. It did hit his hand. I don't think you could ask, I think, ask anybody that watched the game and they would say it hit his hand. It did. But he didn't see the fact that it hit his thigh and then hit his hand. Right. Which is the whole point. You need context. Because if you don't have the context from that, you'll just be like, oh, yeah, that's a red card. Easy. It hit his hand. He blocked the goal with his hand, but it hit his thigh and then onto his hand, which is the same thing. Remember in the FA Cup final when it hit it hit Iosi Perez's knee or thigh or something and then hit his hand and then Leicester end up scoring that goal, right? And the whole reason why it 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 was fine is because it hit his thigh into his hand, right? So by the same logic, I don't understand why this was I mean, it was it was a pen. I don't want to say it's not anything, but it, it is not a red card. Let's be clear, it's not a red card. To anyone saying that, oh, well, it was he he blocked a goal. It was a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity. He blocked it with his hand. Yes, but no. 
I mean, like, theoretically, yes, but it's his hand was in a natural position. It wasn't intentional, and it hit off of his a body part and then hit his hand. And to anybody saying, I, as a counterpoint, well, you could obviously see that once it hit his hand, it hit his hand again as his hand was kind of like getting from moving his leg, his hand moved out and hit it again. But you can't say that that factored into the red card decision because on the video board, right, He uh, Anthony Taylor never saw that that happened. He just saw the free swim of it hitting his hand originally. So you can't say that's part of the red card decision. So, I mean, I think it's a pen. I agree that it's a pen, but to give a red card there and basically ruin our chances of getting a win here, uh, win against Liverpool, which would have been very, very big, uh, uh, ruined again because Anthony Taylor, I mean, on it's even less on Anthony Taylor. It's on whoever the VAR was for playing the clip before he got there, and I don't know who that is, but also on Anthony Taylor for not staying at the board and looking at longer to see the context of the clip instead of just walking there, seeing a freeze frame, and then leaving, but... What can he do? It's in the past. We ended up having a good performance, but I mean, I can't believe how bad the officials in the VAR are in the Prem, man. It's like, I don't understand how you could have, how, just do such a bad job of it. It's crazy. But I mean, what can he do? It's whatever. We got a point. If we didn't get a point, I'd be much, 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 much more pissed off about this, but it's whatever, I guess. On to the next one where hopefully we don't have any more Anthony Taylor games. Yeah, so when I looked at it originally, I completely agreed with you, Peter. It was like, oh my god, what the hell is he doing? Then I did look at the rules, right? If you look in the official handball rules, it is that if you you touch the ball with your hand on the goal line and it prevents a goal, it's a penalty and a red card, no matter what the context is. So it's not as much Anthony Taylor as much as the rules of the hand the handball rules in the Premier League and just in general, of the game, where the context is just not being allowed to, you know, obviously the less wiggle room, the better, um, the less the less amount of uh, perception, the better. But I think in this kind of case, the rules need to be adjusted, right? Because if it hits off his thigh and then hits his arm, then what? Like, what's he supposed to do about that, right? Like, imagine, you know, I'm trying to think of a, you know, an example, but I can't really. Um, but it, it hits his thigh and then it goes onto his arm. That's not an intentional, it, it's not like a Luis Suarez in the uh, World Cup or whatever that was, or I don't even remember, was that World Cup or Copa America, where he literally just punched the ball intentionally, right? Th- that's a different story. The, these are different types of situations. When you're giving a penalty, you're basically get almost guaranteeing the goal anyway. Um, so I'm not sure if the red card is is a is a valid punishment for an unintentional handball but according to the rules it is um so anthony taylor technically followed the rules so if you look at it he went over to the board he saw hey it touched his hand and stopped it from going in the goal doesn't really care about the context because the context is irrelevant according to the rules if that makes any sense um so i that's the only way i could defend him but you'd think you know, he could take a look over, but I, I guess that's not what he was instructed to do, right? So th- then you're maybe even taking the blame away from Anthony Taylor and talking like, what the hell is going on with the rules? Obviously, the handball rule has been changed over and over and over and over and over again, um, and it's just been flip-flopping for years now. So 
obviously that rule hasn't really changed. That rule has always been standing, but maybe after this, it's something that uh, they need to take a look at. I mean, the fact that we're having a conversation about this, right, shows that they need to change it again or make it more clear or make the system better or just do anything, right? It's far too often that people are having conversations like these where it really shouldn't be. It's, you should, I mean, if they gave context, right? I think it's something that would help is if after they make the decision, they gave context about why they made the decision. Because if you give context and you explain why you made the decision, right? Then you can start to make a precedent where it's like, okay, well, in this case, this was why. So in this case, it should be this for the same logic that this was a red card and a penalty. So in like... I mean, I'm not saying it will happen, but in like three match weeks, if, I don't know, we shoot and someone blocks it with their hand and it's not a red card and a penalty, well then, which I feel like I guarantee that would happen at some point <laughs> where it's like the same situation and we don't get a, a penalty and the other team gets a, I don't know, just saying, the refs always hate us, but you have to build the president and just having, making people just think, why are you making this decision and having everyone so split on is it the right decision is it the wrong decision look at these rules well what about these rules where it says not means that it's obviously not as good and like you said you want to have as little wiggle room as possible you just have this which says okay if this happens it's a red card and a penalty if this happens it's not a red card but it's a penalty and if this happens it's none of them so i mean it's happened like every year and every year there's constantly discussions like this about rules and how just bad they are and how bad the system is and everything so i mean and i mean every year they try to do something and they try to fix it but it almost really never does anything and especially i think i think like i said before about the context because giving context to every decision makes it so much easier and there won't be these conversations because you can just say okay this was why right and then you can just talk about why and look at the rules and say okay that makes sense instead of just showing this seeing that he was only looking at a still image and then being like well i mean well of course we have a right to complain he looked at a still image there is no context right so that's how i see it i don't know if that's actually whatever happened i don't think it would but i mean it's just i'm so messed up and the rule book is also so messed up that i mean i don't even know what you can do to fix it but you're gonna have to do a lot and it's really gonna be difficult to even come close to being at the point of like other leagues other leagues just have it fine and the euros they have it fine Copa america they have it fine but we the premier league which is supposed to be the best league in the world the richest league in the world everything is the best league in the world right but we have these bad rules bad refs bad var bad system as a whole it's just not good and uh, i guess i'll do my man of the match real quick i thought you know i'm gonna go I don't even know who to go. I'm going to go. It's probably, I'm just going to give it to the entire defense. Cause I thought they were all very good. Um, I'm, I'm not going to single out a specific player. Uh, Christensen, I thought was very good as well in this game. And obviously there's been talks about him getting a contract extension. Uh, he's looked like a different man under Tuchel. So I really hope he does. Uh, and he, you know, he can stay with us for a while, obviously an Academy product, uh, product as well. So that always makes me happy. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for that. And then we're going to go to a couple bits of transfer news before we finish out the episode. So Kurt Zuma, he's been unveiled at West Ham. So the deal is done 30 million euros, um, to West Ham. 
and uh, he's gone after seven and a half years, which is crazy. Obviously, not been at he hasn't been at Chelsea for that entire time. He's been on loan, etc. But sad to see him go. And uh, now that means Chelsea can now really focus on this Kunde deal. Um, they submitted an official 50 million euro bid for Kunde. It was rejected by Sevilla. Um, Sevilla want closer to the 80 million euro release clause. So negotiations are ongoing, and we'll see where that fee or that figure lands. If I were to guess, I'm gonna. I would say it's probably gonna land around 60 to 65 million. Um, if I were to guess what the fee will be, I don't think it'll be any more than 70. Um, but uh, hopefully, uh, we get that deal done. If it's if it's less than 70, I'd be happy. I think. I agree with you pretty much everything there, but I want to bring up an interesting point, and I want to say. I think, as much as I want Kunde, and I think he'd be a great addition, I think we have to be prioritizing getting one of Saul, Tushimeni, so one of a midfielder. Conte obviously got injured. Jorginho picked up a knock, but continued to play. And that's two of our three midfielders that got injured in one half. And we have no depth besides Kovacic, right? So I think it's more important, as much as I would like Kunde on the team, I think he'd be a great addition, that we get another midfielder. Because if Conte, who obviously had to get taken out because of injury, and apparently it's the same ankle that kept him out uh, of previous games, which isn't a good sign, uh, if he misses extended time, I don't think he would. It seems like it's more of like a knock than it is really a bad, bad injury. But if he misses a few weeks, then that means uh, Kovacic, Jorginho are playing like every single game, every single game, every single game, every single game. And we really need more depth, whether that is Saul, whether that is Tushimeni, who personally I'd prefer. I'd love to sign Tushimeni, but I think we might have to prioritize a midfielder over Kunde, because if it's a midfielder or Kunde, I think we need a midfielder. But if it's both of them, then please, by all means, get this Kunde, uh, get the Kunde deal done. Getting Zilling Zuma for basically, if it lands in, like you said, the 65 million range, uh, for basically for getting Zuma for half of Kunde, I think is great business. Uh, it's good by us. And I mean, we'll see. I think we've talked about him like he's probably the most like transfer talked about player we've talked about because there's been so many twists and turns in it uh, in the saga. But I mean, well, like I've said previously, he's a great young player. Uh, I mean, very good, would fit in Tuchel's system. So hopefully we can get that done. But also make sure that we can bring in another midfielder because we do need some depth there. One thing I would say is I think when uh, Chalaba came on uh, in that midfield role, I think he can play there as well. Obviously, it's not ideal, but you know, worst case scenario, I think he could also play there uh, kind of in a defensive midfielder role. He kind of reminds me of uh, Wilfred Ndidi if he were to play in that role, uh, kind of a similar type of player, body build-wise, long legs, um, and definitely can get those big tackles in. So, you know, obviously he plays that position at a very high level. I think Chalaba could too, maybe in the future. So let's see uh, how Tuchel does. Maybe that's Tuchel's plan, and maybe that's why he's not really going after a midfielder, or he sees a conversion. Uh, maybe he sees Mount as a possibility to play in that center of midfield as well. Uh, so who really knows? But it seems like Kunde is the top priority. Uh, and if Tuchel really wants him, I guess I trust him. So, uh, We'll see what happens there, but I think that's it for today's episode. Uh, we'll have another episode out. Uh, I don't actually know when. We'll see here because obviously it's international break. Uh, we may even take uh, like a week off here. Um, school starting for us uh, next week, so uh, might be a little bit 
interesting how the schedule works. We're going to have to figure that out. Uh, so the next game's two weeks from now. We'll probably have an episode. We might have an episode in between, but if not, we'll see you guys uh, or see everyone for the preview to that Aston Villa game. And we'll talk about what happened over international break. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.